0: All right, welcome to episode twenty-six of the Take One Security Podcast. I'm going to start with the news. So, a backdoor was found in AMX conference call systems. They basically run in a lot of corporate and evidently government conference rooms, and uh, it's a big deal because it could could be, or could have led to uh, eavesdropping into some very sensitive conversations, both on the uh, government and the industry side. And I believe the vulnerability was shown to them uh, maybe way back in March, and it took a while to uh, get the patch out, which is no surprise. Evidently, it's possible to automatically own every Android device on the network using this uh, tool called BetterCap, and um, an interface called Add JavaScript Interface. You can uh, Google it to find out more about it. I believe it's been patched. Um, I think it really only applies to some older versions of Android, but uh, with Android, that that actually includes quite a few different systems. Um, not too many devices are up to date. I, I don't remember the version this goes all the way back to, but it is you know, millions of devices. Cyber insurance has been challenged. This is uh, going to get more and more prevalent in the future, both insurance and challenges to them. But uh, basically a lawsuit for failing to cover about 500k in losses um, in Houston. So basically, there was, uh, you know, half a million dollars worth of losses and the company tried to use their insurance and they got denied. And I think we're going to see this happening quite a bit. H.D. Moore has left Rapid7 or is leaving Rapid7 and is going to build a venture capital firm around security startups. Really interesting, happy for him. <clears throat> um, it's a big loss for Rapid7 because... Uh, he was definitely their uh their main guy and uh it's also a big loss potentially for uh metasploit he he said you know not to worry about that And of course he, you know he kind of has to say that whether you should be worried or not but he basically said not to worry about it you know there's a good community that's uh keeping track of it and everything will still be good and That's definitely true to some degree, but it's a pretty hard loss for Rapid7 and for Metasploit. Some severe vulnerabilities have been found in uh, FreeBSD. There's one specifically around ICMP v6, error processing of certain, certain types of packets. Patches have already been released. France has rejected encryption backdoors, which is Good, I wish we could do that as well. Bots will inflict $7.2 billion in fraud on digital advertisers in 2016. This is fascinating. I think it really sort of highlights how much trouble uh, traditional advertising is in. It's really annoying. Users are rebelling against it. They're installing ad blockers. And the, uh, the criminals are, are getting better at, at abusing it. It's uh, getting harder. My understanding is it's getting harder to, uh, to filter out the fraud. And uh, $7.2 billion, that's, uh, that's quite a bit. I mean, at some point, the companies who are using these advertising services have to be asking the question, you know, how do I know that uh, these clicks really mean anything, right? And I don't know why it's not just immediately translating to, you know, how much money am I getting? And I imagine there is, I mean, I don't know shit about this. So there's probably experts who are looking at this already, and I'm sure there are, but it would seem to me that you would not pay the price for clicks. You would pay the price for how much business came directly to you from that location. And I, I guess attribution is is a challenge. Um, and that's why you have to pay for clicks or whatever, but it, it just seems really messy to me. And uh, it seems to me like many different people involved in the process are getting very tired of it. And when you see these numbers, like 7.2 billion in fraud, that money's gotta come from somewhere and Whoever it's coming from is probably getting pretty tired of it. Uh, DDoS attack has hit um, the Irish lottery. It's not good. Uh, Linux kernel bug allows local to root privilege escalation. So this is a pretty big one. Patches already out. If you haven't patched, you should definitely uh, do so. Um, Twitter is being criticized for not disclosing information about who it, um, who among its user base has been targeted in state-sponsored attacks or uh, basically includes really serious attacks as well, right? Um, I don't think it's only state-sponsored, but basically if you get attacked by someone serious, like someone's really trying to get into your account... At first, they weren't saying anything about it, and that was really making users upset. And they, along with some other companies, basically changed their policy and said, okay, we will tell you if you're being sponsored or hit by a you know, a major attack, or a major adversary, state-sponsored, or whatever. But then they wouldn't give very much information about who it was or what kind of attack it was or when it started or whatever. So that... Um, that is causing some uh, major pushback uh, right now. And I, I think they're going to probably change the policy to be more similar to some other companies like uh, Microsoft and Yahoo, I believe, um, Google as well. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what these policies end up looking like, like if they're actually going to present the logs and have some transparency about what kind of attacks are taking place. Facebook's Android app now lets you connect through Tor for anonymity. Um, It's kind of strange for me. I I guess I get it a little bit, but um, I always thought it was a little bit strange that people would use Tor. And then they would go to some, you you know, illicit website and they'd log in. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to proxy through China and India. And, you know, I'm going to use Tor and I'm going to use Tor to get to Tor. And then when I get to Tor, I'm going to use Tor again. And then they're I'm like, I'm going to have like 25 onions of protection. And then they get to the site and they're like, yeah, I'm logging as Bob Jones and authenticate. Well, someone sees this, those logs. It doesn't matter how you got there. They know it's you. So. When you're logging into Facebook, aren't you kind of proving that you are who that account is? Um, Maybe they're talking about logging into different uh, accounts, but I thought Facebook was against logging in with anonymous or multiple different identities of the same person. Um, Maybe I'm just missing something major. If, If I am, let me know. GitHub community. Super pissed off at the company over at support, bug fixes, etc. Uh, basically, a big post went out hit like Reddit and Hacker News and uh, basically said they're tired of not getting help with a bunch of issues. And uh, I think um, GitHub has responded. I-, I did read a response. I didn't read it all the way, but um, it's good that they're uh, having that dialogue. Facebook's Android app, Um, oh, that's a dupe, yay. Um, What's next here? Oh, Clinton's email issues just got far worse. So, um, as you know, basically, there was a big uh, sort of story around she had or basically, she had her own email server, right? And she was hosting it privately, I think it was like at her house. And uh, she said she wasn't doing <clears throat> anything sensitive on it. But they investigated that. And um, I think they said, yeah, there was some sensitive stuff, but it wasn't really that bad. And of course, the Republicans were like, well, this is the worst thing ever. And Democrats were like, oh, it's not even a big deal at all. Um As usual, the truth is in the middle somewhere. Well, a new investigation, some sort of IG inspector general or something, uh, did another report and basically said, yeah, actually a lot of the stuff was super top secret, like above um, SCI clearance, like so secret that the people doing the investigation couldn't even read the stuff. So this is very serious, and I wonder if... um, I wonder what's going to happen. I mean, obviously we have primaries coming up and everything. It's uh, really fascinating. And there was some other analysis like is she like a bank? Is she too big too big to jail? <laughs> uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but um, I, I definitely didn't like the fact that she had that server. Um, I thought it was a, a more of a minor issue, but it looks like pretty nasty. Um, we just crossed the 25th year that we've been in Iraq. Not really gonna say much about that other than a quarter of a century. It's, it's a, uh, just strange. It just struck me as strange that it's been that long. It's the only reason I added it here. NSA Director Admiral Michael Rogers has come out against encryption backdoors. I think this is amazing. I hope he talks to the rest of the government. I don't know why the NSA director would have this opinion, and then you have people in other parts of the government who are still trying to do the wrong thing. I really do hope they communicate. FireEye <clears throat> buys Eyesight Partners for 200 million. They're basically a cybersecurity intelligence firm. And this basically brings the collection of companies together to be Mandiant, FireEye, and now EyeSight. So Mandiant is like incident response, FireEye is, um, or at least it started off as like, uh, you know, malware detonation, basically anti-malware on the network. Um, And then EyeSight being security intelligence, really good uh, combo of companies. Someone found a critical bug in Yahoo Mail, got paid uh, 10K through a bug bounty, it's awesome. Malwarebytes, which is basically an anti-malware scanner, uh, like a step above, like basically a customized um, scanner just for malware, as opposed to uh, just all viruses or whatever. Basically one level above uh, antivirus you know, purpose built for malware. Um, They just raised another $50 million. So it looks like they'll be uh, around for a little bit. And um, attacks are increasing against oil and gas companies, according to a a survey of the industry, which is uh, pretty interesting. All right, that's it for the news section. I want to talk about ideas, updates, and discussion. Uh, First one is a Fresno, California, calculating your threat score. So basically, they've got a massive data center where they're collecting tons of information about potential suspects. I'm not sure exactly how it works. I'm not sure even if it's completely uh, transparent yet. But what basically happens is uh, they get some sort of suspect information and they run the person's identity through like just tons of services like I don't know if they're doing social media I think they are but they're doing all sorts of research on the person and then they're assigning like a rating or a score and sending that out to the field to the to the police out there who are potentially going to deal with this person and you imagine what sort of rating they can assign like you know percentage chance of having a handgun. I'm not sure exactly what the ratings are. And again, I'm not sure if they're even public yet, but they're basically marking these people as, you know, whatever, hostile or not hostile or benign or known good or known bad or chance of having weapon. Um, All based on this massive data gathering operation happening back at headquarters. I think it's fascinating. My friend was telling me about a show uh, called Continuum. And then there's another show called Minority Report. I don't watch TV, so I don't get to see these things. But um, basically sounds like a lot of science fiction that has been out there or is out there now. Um, And I I think it's only going to get more prevalent. I mean, this is probably just a, uh, well, it's a company that's powering it. and They're trying to get it into more. Police departments, I'm sure, and I'm sure if it's successful, the pilot or whatever, um, it'll roll out into more areas and more cities. So, interesting to keep track of. Why Apple assembles in China, not just wages, worker skill, and scale. Yeah, this is interesting. So, um, basically, there's an article talking about why Apple assembles in China and saying it's not just wages. They're basically saying that if it were just wages, they would just pay extra money. They have the money. It's not a big deal. What they're talking about is scale. And I I thought it was fascinating because like it shows how bad of a situation the rest of the world is compared to China. So it's not that, you know, we could take our manufacturers, put them – in a place and have them build Apple's iPhones or whatever they make or whatever. We, we just can't do it. There aren't enough people. They basically have tech schools in China where people just vocationally learn exactly how to do this. And they've been doing it for I don't know how long, like a decade, I'm guessing, or maybe two. And they can make like a... a I don't know what it was. It was some some stupid, crazy number like 100,000 iPhones an hour or or maybe that was per day or, or something like that or 1,000 iPhones per minute. It, it was something obscene, right? It was something that basically the entire United States couldn't even get close to even if we invested now and worked on it for years and years. <clears throat> so basically what Apple was saying is, look, if it was just a matter of money, we would throw money at it. We would lose money, and we would do it. But we simply cannot do it because the, we cannot make the stuff here in the U.S. because it's just not possible. Um, which sounds logical to me, but at the same time, it doesn't mean we should give up. Like, and I'm not sure we should um, reinvest in in manufacturing when it's probably going away. Um, The one thing they did say was pretty interesting in the article was that there is a way to sort of win this is if we could build fully automated manufacturing plants here in the U.S., then we could beat out anyone, including China, Um, because the the scale and the cost and everything, and, and the training, you'd just be training one robot and then manufacturing that robot to do the same thing elsewhere. Um, that would be one way around it. So I think that's cool. Um, Future of AI, personal assistance, IoT and drones. So I just wrote a a little piece of fiction, actually. Um, It was uh, basically I was talking about IoT uh, drones, art, um, augmented reality, and those sorts of things. And um, I wanted to explain it in a different way because I've kind of talked about the same stuff over and over, um, but I wanted to explain it a different way. So I wanted to try and use fiction to do it. And so I um, put together this little, uh, This little um, piece of fiction. I'm going to go ahead and read it now. It's pretty short. Hopefully, it won't end up being too long. But uh, let's see here. So, um, life in 2028. So, uh, let's say you're walking down a Manhattan street in 2028. Your assistant, Kara, is a pseudo-AI built into your mobile device. She's like Siri, except way smarter and extremely extremely customized to you and your preferences. You talk to her all the time about everything. It's quite intimate, actually. She knows which friends you like the most. She knows when you mutter under your breath about things. She knows what you like to eat and when you like to eat it and who you like to eat with. She knows you better than you know yourself, which, as it turns out, is easier than most people think. So it's like 2.30 a.m., You're in a mostly nice part of town, but you've had like 12 beers and you're starting to think you might be lost. You had taken off your visor because you were making out with a girl you met earlier, but now you think it's better if you put it back on. She tells you this in your ear in little more than a whisper. It's how she talks to you. Well, ever since the release of the tiny buds that nest inside your ear canal. They magnify and block sound according to preference, transmit your voice, and let Kara speak to you. Kara says, yeah, that's a good idea. It's in the bottom of your bag. You start fishing for your visor, but your hands aren't cooperating. You finally find it, put it on. The street instantly lights up a bit. The camera's on your body, are seeing the world in multiple wavelengths. And Kara shows you your preferred night vision theme, which is something of a blue tint with strong outlines, kind of like in Tron. You reach in your bag again and start nursing on the water bottle you pull up from it. You say, so what's the deal? Did everyone show up eventually, or did they leave me there all night alone with her? Kara says, no, they never came They're across town right now at the Loft Club. Judging by Micah's heart rate, he's either running for his life or having a great time. Actually, let me look from another perspective. There's like a two second pause. And she says, well, he's not being chased by anyone. You and Kara laugh. Kara says, hey, it's a bit dangerous out here. I'm gonna deploy some eyes. We have the credits and off. You say, okay, I don't think we need them, but fine. Kara says, open the bag, please. You open your bag and a swarm of a dozen fly-sized drones were into the darkness. You know from experience that they're spreading into a pattern around you, some high, some low, to see what they can see. Kara says, ah, much better. <clears throat> I can see a bit now. Not many cameras are on here that I can access. As you zip your bag and start walking again, the sound of music is pulsing in your ears. Kara, can you go easy on the music? No need to magnify sounds for me right now. I have a massive headache. Kara says, I told you to drink more water before you silenced me for over two hours and you can hear the hurt in her voice. A car starts coming around the corner up ahead playing loud music and the sounds of laughing and yelling can be heard. car lets out a few people and takes off quickly with a squeal of tires. In one corner of your vision, a new perspective opens to show the view of two of Kara's drones. As they get closer, you can see it's four young males and two of them have visors on and are carrying a golf club. One... One reaches into a pocket and throws what looks like dust into the air. Kara says, I don't like this. Let's head the other way. They're stumbling, definitely drunk. And that club is all marked up. There's also a report of broken windows and vandalism a few blocks away. This could be them. You say, I'm not changing directions. This is my city. They can go around if they want. Now you're slurring. Carr says these drones he released are illegal. They're equipped with syringes and he can inject a victim with any number of toxins. Most commonly, they're tranquilizers that allow a gang of people to take everything someone has. You hear the concern in her voice. <clears throat> Try and clear your head for a moment. You look towards the four guys who are just a couple blocks away on the other side of the street. Looks kind of like a video game. A warm blue hue to everything, with the outlines of buildings lined with a darker blue. The guys are pretty far away, but two of them are now outlined in red. You can see the shape of the golf club as the two swing at each other playfully. Flying in front of them in a star formation, you can see six green points of light. Those are your drones. You're thinking you really should name them. You ask Kara, why are they tagged? Violence? Credit? What skin am I looking at? Kara says, yeah, violence. The records are sealed with some sort of assault. Searching other sources right now. Let's go back towards the club. You say, no, that's all right. <clears throat> I'll sort it out. As you start walking with the guys, is activating all cameras she can see through the streets and buildings nearby. She's looking at the four guys from all angles, from above, from behind, and from the parking meter to the right. Then she finds another presence, someone named Cassandra. Kara says, hi, Cassandra. I see you're this kind golfer's agent. How are you doing today? By the way, love your avatar. Cassandra says, piss off, whore. My owner is going to thrash yours, and we're about to own 12 new drones. I'll be happy to add them to my collection. Just then, four of her drones go dark. This can happen for a number of reasons. They can run out of energy, they can be destroyed accidentally, or sometimes owners and even other drones can launch EM attacks to disrupt communications. And judging by Cassandra's cheery personality, Kara guesses it's the latter. Kara immediately beacons the local police station, FCC representatives with a full report of the situation. She decides not to tell you, as you seem to be thinking you're a superhero right now, and she'd rather not have you mad at her. Just then, one of the guys makes a throwing motion that you can't quite make out. Kara yells, move to the left. Just as you fumble forward to your left, You see a big red arc sprout and grow towards you, finally landing to your right in a crash. It was a bottle, and Kara drew the trajectory for you so you can dodge it more easily. You grab a nearby rock and throw it yourself. A green arc follows its path like a video game and you hear cussing from the group. Kara, I found Chris. He's on his way. He's six blocks from here. Get ready to get in the car when he gets up to the street behind us. Just then, Kara sees two of the hostile drones start approaching at speed. They light up brightly in your visor, but it's too hard to dodge them. You feel one hit your right arm above the elbow. You yell, fuck, that was, that hell stung. Kara, call Chris. You see Chris pop up in your visor on the left. Transparent form that doesn't stop you from seeing the street. Chris, what are you doing, man? Why'd you leave the club? We were on the way. You're like, you were on the way four hours ago. Kara says you're coming? Yeah, she told Crom, his agent, that you were in trouble. We're on the way. I'm sending my drones now. Crom will handle their shit. Okay, no tomatoes on mine. You're feeling awfully groggy right now. Chris, fuck man. Kara says you got tranked? It's a snatcher gang, man. I'm coming. Hold on. Cops are on the way too. Kara, I'm activating the Faraday cage. No more dive bombs for them. A humming sound comes from your belt, and you faintly hear the sound of a few drones hitting the ground next to you. You recall being stuffed in the back of a car, and then being very tired. The next thing you see is Sarah, your friend who was supposed to meet you at the club. She has a light green glow, and her hair and makeup are more extreme than in real life. It's a request that she makes to all VR listeners that perceive her. You say, hey, Sarah. Thanks for coming to get me. I think I got a bit tranked. Beers probably didn't help. As you glance outside the car, you can see your current speed in the upper right, and the buildings you're passing are color-coded by familiarity. Whether you like the businesses or not, whether they're known to be bad places to eat, or purchase things. As Sarah steps back, you can see concern written in text hovering above her chest and model-like face. And her model-like face emotes the same. Sarah says, yeah, that was super dumb. Not that I'm surprised. So... um. That was kind of fun. Uh, I had a bunch of issues in there. I was basically... uh, I mixed the tense. I was actually saying he and you. Um, I was trying to translate on the fly while I was reading it. And um, my voice is going for some reason, which is great because I have a talk on Tuesday. But um, that's the idea, is to not just lay out technology, but to... uh, describe it in use um, I showed a few people I showed uh, Haddix uh, my friend Andrew a couple people and they really liked it um, what they said which I thought was interesting was that this makes the technology look very distant in the future because it's inside of a fiction story and what I'm trying to do is highlight how how Um, How tangible this technology is and how easy it is to do it soon. So um, what they suggested was that it'd be better to do a scenario where it's just an everyday thing. So it's me and my girl we're going on a vacation and here's how we booked our vacation and here's what happened when we got there. I think that would be cool but it's also I don't know, it's kind of dry. It's not very cool. Uh, You need some sort of conflict or something, I I think, to keep it interesting. But um, at the end of it, I've got a couple other things. Some other scenarios, capabilities. The visor lights up red around the field of vision when Kara detects danger to you. This can come from the car that's approaching too fast because she can see 360 degrees around you, someone approaching you threateningly, whatever people also see how they want others. Um, no people set how they want to appear to others and people's agents can either honor that when they display the person or not. Basically depending on their, the preference of the owner as people walk, they can see themselves from multiple positions and toggle these points of view because their drones will be sending Video feeds. Their drones can scout ahead, watch from above, parse close-range daemons that Kara can't read yet, etc. Everything they learn gets sent to Kara, and she decides what she should tell you based on her understanding of your wishes. Drone defense will be a major issue. There will be a physical protections. Um, there will be physical protections from them, so suits, shields, whatever. As well as EM protections like Faraday areas, EMP blasts. Um, I was also thinking of giant wind gusts. Um, like you're, you're worried about these little fly level types, and you just massively gush uh, gust wind and then capture them somehow um, from the wind gust. Uh, anyway, uh, you also be able to know when someone's lying to you because. Your agent, in this case Kara, will be running through their voice through multiple filters. So obvious deception will be detected. She can tell you in your ear or vibrate your wrist if someone is fibbing. Um, Kara can also listen to people around you and tell you what they're saying. Many people will disable this for obvious reasons, but many will also use it extensively. Kara will constantly... Constantly be reading news, books, blogs, consuming Damon information from around the world. Whenever she sees that you're ready or whenever you tell her to, she'll ask to fill you in on some news that you like. Um, This is basically how we'll consume news. Uh, Basically, our agents will be curating for us constantly based on... um, our preferences, which our agent will be the best at knowing. And then finally, the summary here was, the point of all this is very simple. These various technologies are not going to be disparate. They won't just be used to do their own individual things. They're going to be combined into the ultimate augmentation of human experience. That's what IoT is about. A constant stream of information from all objects, human and otherwise, and assistants that consume that stream constantly, and virtual reality and augmented reality shows you the world based on what matters to you, and drones that enhance that visibility through physical access. This isn't a possible future, it's the inevitable future. Anyone who thinks IoT is about smart appliances is missing the point entirely. Technology is a means for turning humans into gods, and that's precisely what it will be used for. All right. Well, that was rather long, but hopefully uh, enjoyable. All right, what's the next one? The importance of OPSEC. So, this one was cool. Um, This was a Reddit post. Uh, Someone was talking about OPSEC, and they used the example of military deployments. So, uh, let's say China is trying to figure out where the US military is deploying, and they get on, or they have an army of a thousand people scrubbing Facebook. And what they see is a bunch of military wives talking about, oh, I wonder if it's warm in Addis Ababa. Um, I wonder what kind of restaurants they have in Addis Ababa or whatever, right? Guam was actually the example used in, uh, in the story. And what this person described was that a bunch of wives talking about those things is not powerful by itself. But when it's combined with a bunch of soldiers also saying things like, how do I switch my, uh, my cell service uh, to whatever, Guam Tech? And everyone knows that Guam Tech is only in Guam. The idea here is the, each one of these things individually is not very powerful. But when you collect tens or dozens or hundreds or thousands of them, That's what OPSEC is. It's not leaking small things that lead to a larger story. Um, There's another example about troop movements um, on the ground. This is why the military has a policy of no information leaked ever anywhere. I mean, you basically get in massive trouble if you say anything at all about where you are, where you're going, Um, You can't leak anything for this exact reason. And it was a really good illustration of the concept of OPSEC. Um, Did a short post explaining why oil prices are so low. Um, Got the link there if you want to take a look at the whole thing. But bottom line is that it's not a conspiracy between lots of uh, or between some giant oil company. Uh, Trying to control the price and just flooding the market. Turns out that there are so many oil companies. Nobody has a uh, basically a monopoly anymore. So this is globally. So in the US, um, Saudi Arabia, Iran, all these different places, they're all small players. And this includes OPEC. Even OPEC is only like something like 40% of production. So what happens is once things start flooding, the conversation switches away from controlling supply to market share. Basically, everyone wants to be uh, – they, they want to make their money by volume, but they also don't want people to getting addicted to their competitor's oil So they raise their production and start trying to sell as much as possible, which just makes the um, increase in supply that much worse. So basically people are racing to the bottom because you can't be the first one to turn off your supply because now you're not going to make money while your competitors are. So this is basically the main reason that prices are going so low. And um, as I said in the post, I didn't figure this out. I'm not an expert in this. This is not my opinion. I basically got super pissed that I didn't know what was going on and went and read for like 45 minutes, like 10 different things um, from really smart people on the subject. And this was my summary. Um, let's see here. Um, got in a Twitter argument about Shodan. Uh, Shodan. So basically... <laughs> Someone was like, oh, look, this, someone made a search engine. This was the title. Someone made a search engine for looking at baby cameras. And I click on the link, and I'm like, tell me they're not talking about Shodan. And I I click the link, I get there. And sure enough, they're talking about Shodan. And you could see it was obviously a search string looking for a very specific thing. And the, uh, the account was, was like the IOT or something. It was a pretty major IOT account, like 40,000 followers. So I responded back. I'm like, hey, um, that's, that's not what's happening here. That's not how this works. Um, basically, uh, Shodan is a search engine. You could find a bunch of dumb shit on Google as well. It doesn't make Google bad it's a tool that is being used for a specific thing. And the guy was like, well, you know, this is the type of thing you have to get rid of or whatever. And this is the first couple of things he said. And finally I was like well, common arguments, right? I was like, well, if you're going to get rid of that, you need to get rid of Nmap as well. And also encryption. And, uh, I fired one more volley. I said, it's a little bit ironic for you to be bashing search engines for their potential for misuse when you are a an account that tweets nothing but IoT stuff. I'm like, you t- <laughs> you're talking about potential for misuse. IoT is going to be a train wreck compared to a search engine. Um, and then he came back like half a day later and he was like, oh, I... You know, I think I see the situation. You know, it's not the search engine's fault. You know, it's the manufacturers for not having secure settings. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. So, again, it's it's a big account. The guy puts out some good content. I think he was just uh, confused about what showdown was. And we got it sorted out. So that's cool. Um, I'm going to put uh, put the account into my IoT follow stuff. So. Hopefully, that will be our last uh, run-in. Um, people return things less when the return policy is wide open. I don't know why I put this in, in this section. I, I didn't know where else to put it. Basically, <clears throat> they just did a study on return policies. And um, people like Walmart, who just let you return anything at any time, um, or at least it was last time I checked, Um, they actually get fewer returns than when you have strong restrictions on what you can do. So knowing Walmart, they probably investigated that, already knew it, and that's why they put that policy into place. But um, I included here just because it's one of those things where kind of like risk uh, discussions or risk avoidance where humans are just, uh, strange humans are strange and policies we make to influence them or control them are often just as strange all right next section tools talks and projects I saw a cool talk a new ontology of unwanted web automation it was a OWASP project really just amazing project this this guy basically went through he was british too that made it even better um but he went through and basically broke down every type of automation that could be used against like a, an application. And he categorized them and like just laid it out like so so well. Um, definitely recommend you go check out the project. Again, you just look up for ontology of unwanted web automation and you'll find it. Collie. Um, Callie has moved to, um, or Callie, since I pronounce it, probably Callie, um, has moved to a rolling. <coughs> Basically dying here, so this last podcast. Callie has moved to a rolling release, and there are instructions on the site on how to update it. I just did it for mine. Pretty cool. I thought it was already on it, but I guess this is what takes it to it. A uh, political influence project. So if you know anyone or you yourself want to participate in this project, I want to try and map um, what influences are on what politicians. And the only reason I'm mentioning here is because it's extremely nonpartisan. Um, I think this is just good for everyone. Uh, left, right, and middle would... Benefit from seeing this. So basically, you have like lobbyists, you have representatives, and then you have issues. And I want to build some sort of project that maps them together and donations. So you get to see like where money is going, how they're voting. That's the other thing to track is votes. So it's votes, lobbyists, representatives, and issues. You track all of those and map them together. And then for every event that someone does as a politician, they're like, oh, they voted no against this? Cool. Who are their primary donors? What are their, the donors' primary interests and primary causes and see if they match to the representative? And then the idea is to build a score around that, right? So you have like a, uh, a compromised score, like Bernie Bernie Sanders, you know, 6% compromised because of the gun lobby. And then you got, like, whoever, I don't know, Clinton, Ted Cruz, whatever. 94% compromised because of these reasons. Um, anyway, thought, thought it would be a cool project um, just to understand, you know, where money's going and for what reason. Next one, Radar. Radare, no idea how to pronounce that. Radare 2 is a reverse engineering framework. Should Check that out. Next one is Backdoor Me, um, which is basically a Unix backdooring framework with a Metasploit-like interface. Evidently, you could just wreck a Unix box with all sorts of different backdoor uh types and flavors. Um, and Shodan SCADA edition. So uh, there's a link here, shodan.io slash explore slash category slash industrial control systems. It's like its own <coughs> separate uh, web page, clean interface, and basically you can search for all sorts of SCADA stuff. Um, pretty cool. <coughs> Announcements. Speaking at upset Cali on Tuesday, a couple of days from now at 3 p.m. on adaptive testing methodology. I'm excited. My um, presentation is basically done and uh, looking forward to doing that. If you like the podcast, um, not counting this one where I can barely speak, um, if you like the podcast, you like the content, uh, tell your friends about it. Any requests or suggestions or whatever, I would love to get feedback on uh, what you guys think I can do better. I really appreciate it. I will see you in the next episode. Take care.